Welcome to the Sleepy Cues Podcast, where Linda Schmolowitz and Jessica Suiki will share answers to all your questions related to your children's sleep and parenting of young children. We are both certified gentle sleep coaches. Thanks for tuning in to hear the answers to the many questions that come up with the families we work with. Hi, it's Linda Schmolowitz, owner of Sleep Tight Consultants. Today on the Sleepy Cues Podcast, we're going to talk all about travel and your child's sleep. Before we get into this week's discussion though, as always, I wanted to make sure that I remind everybody that if you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to go on and leave your five-star review so that we can continue bringing you all this great information on sleep. Also, um, just about a week ago, Jessica said to me, you know, we probably should have an Instagram account for the podcast. And I was like, "Ugh, I know you're right. That's something I thought about a while ago and we just hadn't done it yet. So there is now a Sleepy Cues podcast Instagram account. So please head on over there and follow us so that you can make sure that each week you're alerted when each new episode goes up. On today's episode about your child's sleep and travel, we're going to be talking about tips to ensure that travel goes smoothly for your child and that their sleep doesn't get thrown off track too much or hopefully not at all. And we're going to be talking all about how to help your child be comfortable in their sleep space when it's an unfamiliar environment. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about helping to adjust your child's sleep schedule to time changes. So whether this is a domestic time change, whether you're going east or west in the United States, or if you're traveling international, how to handle those time change adjustments for your child's sleep. Generally speaking, in terms of travel and sleep, this has not really been a year where there has been a whole lot of travel. In fact, I feel like these have been sort of the perfect circumstances to really focus on helping your child get good, consistent sleep in their home environment. But it's not realistic, and eventually people are going to start traveling again, and more and more people are starting to do some of that travel, whether it's just to visit family as they're feeling safer doing that now that vaccination's available, or there are people who are starting to do more vacation travel as well. So whatever it is, now you want to figure out how to take your child's good sleep habits on the road. And I know that a lot of parents have a lot of fear and anxiety about ruining all of the hard work that they put in to get their child sleeping well. So this is going to be really helpful for you so that you can help your child continue to have that good sleep while you're traveling, which actually improves your travel experience both for you and your children and also for anybody else that you might be traveling with. Generally speaking, travel can produce all sorts of challenges from shared sleep environments to unfamiliar environment to other people who might be present that you don't necessarily want to disturb with your child's sleep if they're not sleeping well, or as many of us know, relatives or people who might be around who are judgmental of you trying to respond consistently to your child. So all of that can really make the travel experience very difficult. I always try to help parents have reasonable expectations for what the travel experience is going to be like for their child. I always give the example of whenever I travel, I feel like the first night when I'm in that unfamiliar environment, I don't sleep very well. So why would we expect our children to be really any different? Especially right now, some children haven't traveled in over a year or have never traveled before. Or if you have very young children, even traveling 
more than a year ago, they might not actually have any memory of what that experience was like. So this is going to be very different for them. And we have to expect that this is going to be a little bit more challenging as well in the beginning. Generally speaking, children who tend to sleep well at home tend to sleep well also while they are away. If your child's sleep isn't great at home, then I wouldn't expect it to be any better when you're in an unfamiliar and strange environment. And so if you know that you have travel coming up, whether it's two to three weeks from now or a few months off, it is worthwhile to improve your child's sleep while they're at home so that when you're away, things can be better. That way also you'll have a plan for what to do and something to fall back on if things feel like they're falling off track while you're away. First and foremost, when you're traveling, one of the most important and most helpful things is to maintain all of your routines that you use at home. So this is one of the beauties of sleep routines. These are things that your child has come to recognize over doing them repeatedly over a period of time. Those routines, as far as they relate to night sleep, actually cause your child's brain to start producing melatonin, which is that hormone that allows you to fall asleep and stay asleep. And so the great thing about sleep routines is that they are trans portable. You can do them when you're in an unfamiliar environment. Even if, you know, everything else feels different, those routines are still the same. I'll give you one of my favorite examples of a transportable sleep routine. Anybody who's ever worked with me knows that as one of the last things that I often have parents do when they're finishing off a bedtime routine is I have them walk around the room with their child, say goodnight to three things in the room. This creates an association of something that they know is going to happen each and every day. Even if you're saying goodnight to different things, it's predictable. Many years ago, when my brother was visiting with his family, and they just had my nephew, who's now my older nephew, my nephew was sleeping in my husband's office, and he has a picture of the Chicago Bulls dream team on the wall in there. And so they went around and they said goodnight to Scottie Pippen and... Steve Kerr and of course Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman and they said goodnight to the whole team and then when he woke up in the morning he wanted to say good morning to the whole team all over again. So routines no matter what they are are transportable. If your child has a security object definitely want to make sure that you bring that with you. I always tell any parent who's introducing a security object that goes in your carry-on luggage. Do not check it and have it be in lost luggage and now you arrive at your destination and that security object is gone and now you're traveling and your child doesn't have their security object. That is the best way to ruin a vacation. So make sure it just goes in your in your carry-on luggage. Something that I learned a couple summers ago, we were on a trip actually in Hawaii and my son was you know sleeping in a bed at the time he was 10 so he's you know older and he can manage these things a little bit more but he was you know sleeping in the hotel bed and the cleaning people came in and his blankie was in the bed and they came and they changed the sheets and I I actually didn't realize that hotels actually fully change your sheets each night and so his blankie which probably to them looked like some sort of a rag got swept up in all of the sheets off to the laundry and never to be found again and I spent several days calling the linens department hoping that they had discovered it but it was gone now again like I said he's 10 so he was able to manage it and he ended up deciding that he wanted to sleep with one of his t-shirts and and that did the trick for him 
but it was also really sad he spent several days going I miss Blanky and we had a backup at home so when we got home he was super excited to see Blanky again but it was sad and had he been younger that would have been a really disastrous experience so note to self make sure you take your child's security object out of any hotel beds before you leave the room in the morning so that the housekeeping people do not end up taking it by accident if you use a sound machine at home i would recommend using one while you're away as well there are all sorts of new and different sounds in that unfamiliar environment where you're going to be in and the sound machine can help with that environmental sound if you don't want to bring your actual sound machine you can download a white noise app onto an ipad or a phone that you can leave you know in the room where your child is going to be sleeping which makes it really easy also if your child's still sleeping in a crib and they're going to be in a crib while you're away you can bring your sheet from home so especially for babies smells are really familiar and their sheets have a familiar smell from home so you can bring that with you and that can be really useful for older children if they use a behavior modification light at home like the hatch that's helpful to bring on your trip as well Another really important thing about sleep environment while you're traveling is trying to make sure that environment is dark so if the room is dark it's a little bit harder for them to look around and realize that this is a strange place and it feels all very unfamiliar so making your child's room dark if that means garbage bags or all sorts of different tricks to make the room dark but honestly one of my favorite things these days is that i recommend getting a slumber pod So if you're not familiar with the Slumber Pod, definitely check out their website. They were on Shark Tank several years ago, and this is an amazing invention. I so wish that this was around when my kids were little. The Slumber Pod basically is a tent that goes over your child's pack and play. It has had all sorts of safety reviews. It is safe to use, and it darkens and fully blacks out that space that they're sleeping in. And this is amazing because this actually means that your child could be sleeping in a totally brightly lit room like lights are on you could be in a hotel room with all the lights on and in their little slumber pod tent it's completely dark and they have no idea that there's anything going on around them from a a light standpoint so this is great if you're sharing a hotel room with your child or a room in a home that really can be very helpful so that your child isn't looking around going oh mommy and daddy are right there why can't I sleep there Another thing that is really, really helpful for children over 15 months or even over a year in some cases, when you get to the place where your child is going to be sleeping, you want to make sure that you start to help your child acclimate to that environment so that they know that that's a space that they're going to be sleeping in. If you arrive someplace where your child now all of a sudden is expected to go to sleep and it's a room that they've never been in before and you try to plunk them in there at night, they're going to freak out. I mean, let's just be honest. And so it's really important that you spend a little bit of time in that room. Even if you get in late and you're like, oh, I just need to get you to bed. Still, have them spend a little time exploring the room. If it's not a childproof space, then obviously you're going to be in there with them so that they don't get into any trouble in there. But really starting to talk about this is your bed, this is your crib, this is your pack and play, this is where you're going to be sleeping, this is your room, this is where you'll be staying, mommy and daddy are going to be nearby. Helping your child acclimate to that space is going to be really helpful so that it's familiar when you go to put them in eventually at bedtime. 
Pack and plays can go in closets. They can go in large bathrooms. That is all fine. I know we often feel badly about these things, but for younger babies, they don't necessarily notice that that's not a real room. Many years ago, I'll give you another example here. We had traveled to Orlando and we were staying in a a two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo. My son was, I think he was just about to turn three and he was a little guy, so he did still fit in the pack and play. And I didn't want to put my kids in the room together yet. And so we put his pack and play in a really large bathroom. And he was like, mommy, why do I have to sleep in the potty? And I was like, oh, it's fine. No big deal. This is your room. And, you know, then he spent like the whole next week sleeping in there. It was no problem. I will tell you that many years later, we went back to actually the same uh, condo place and, and stayed for another trip. And I think now he was eight or nine. And I was like, oh, this is the same place where you slept in the bathroom. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? So clearly he was not traumatized by the experience. He had no memory of it. If you don't have a travel crib or a pack and play or something that your child can sleep in while you're away, if your child does not currently co-sleep with you, I would highly recommend that you not end up having them co-sleep with you while you're now on your trip because when you get home now it will be harder to get them back into their independent sleep space if your child co-sleeps with you at home then not a problem but if you don't have something for your child to be sleeping in that means that you should come up with something whether that means that you get a pack and play or you can rent a pack and play or a crib from from different companies that this is what they do and there's a company called babies away and there's a company called Called baby quip both of those are great to work with they will deliver whatever you've rented from them to the place that you're staying and they'll come and pick it up sometimes hotels or commercial businesses have rules about whether or not people can rent those sorts of things and bring it in from the outside so this is really more often going to be the case if you're staying with family and you're renting something like this But usually if you're staying at a hotel or any sort of a resort, they usually have pack and plays or cribs. So you just want to make sure that you request that before you go. Another thing to just keep in mind. So if as a method of sleep training, you have used a behavioral fading approach where you've stayed in the room with your child. Now, if you travel, you may see that if your child is having a hard time falling asleep, maybe the first night that you're there or they're waking up, you can actually go back to that same approach. And this is really helpful because even though the environment is different, your presence is still going to be very familiar to them. It's still going to be very reassuring. You aren't going to need to spend as much time like you did in the beginning when you were sleep training. You just need to spend really a couple of nights helping your child start to acclimate to that space. So maybe it means that you spend one night where at bedtime you sit next to the crib or pack and play. And if they wake up, you go back to that same spot now in the middle of the night. And maybe the next night you're over by the door. And then the next night you're able to put them down and walk out. So this is a really great way to get things on track while you're gone and help your child to really feel comfortable knowing that they have you as that comforting, secure base nearby. If you get back home and things feel like they're off track again, again, you can go back to doing the same thing using a modified approach from before. 
The other thing I would just say is that if your travel has meant that your child's sleep has gone completely haywire, so everything feels out of sorts, maybe bedtime is all over the place, nobody's sleeping well, and you don't feel like you can manage it while you're away for all the reasons that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, particularly I find this is the case if you have a lot of family around and you just don't feel like you can be consistent. So when you get back home, you want to make sure that as quickly as possible, you get back to all of your familiar routines so that this doesn't become the new normal. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about just helping your child adjust to time zone changes. So first I'll start by talking about what happens when you're traveling domestically within the United States. Traveling east is generally easier than traveling west. So if you're going east, I find that it can be really helpful to keep your child on your home time zone. And that means that everything is going to happen later. So your child will go to sleep later, their naps are later, and then bedtime is later, and then they can wake up later in the morning. So this can work if you're able to maintain their schedule from at home while you're away. What that means is that you're pushing all of their feeding to the normal time that they're eating when they're at home in your home time zone. And also you're making sure that their sleeping space is extra dark so that the sun isn't waking them up. So for example, if your child usually goes to bed at seven in say the Midwest in Illinois in the central time zone, now when you get to the East Coast, now that means that they're gonna go to bed at eight and if they're on their same time schedule, then they're gonna wake up closer to eight in the morning as well. And you can maintain that throughout a whole trip. I used to spend weeks where I would keep my kids on central time when we would go east. And then when you come back home, there's no adjustment needed. This can work even if you're going all the way from California to New York. I know my brother who lives in California, they would do this with their kids when they would go all the way to the East Coast. And that means that kids go to bed way later, but they wake up way later. And then when you get back home, now you don't have to adjust them back to local time again. They're still on their local time zone. When you're going west, it's a little bit harder. And the reason is because that means that your child is going to be tired earlier in the evening and they're gonna wake up earlier in the morning. So a little bit of how you handle this has to do with how long you're planning on being away and your child's age. So if you have a baby that has any sort of a schedule, so I'm saying really over like that four to six month age range where things are starting to become much more solidified and a schedule is much more in place, then your child is also not going to be able to go very long stretches in order to make it to, say, a later bedtime in California and also probably sleep later in the morning. So usually I'll have parents push children an hour each day. So what that means is that if you're coming from Central Time, going to West Coast Time to Pacific Time, the first day you're trying to push them an hour later to get to bedtime. And then the first full day that you're away, you're pushing them an hour later for all of their naps, all the while using natural sunlight and fresh air to try to help them get onto the local time. And then the second day, then you're pushing them the second hour so that by the time you get through the second day, you're on local time. Always trying to make sure that your child is eating at the right times for local time and then their body clock will start to adjust to it. So if you're going to be there for a week or more, it's worthwhile to push your child to the local time because otherwise you're going to be up very early in the morning and they're going to want to go to bed very early in the evening, which makes it hard to really do much of anything in the evening, especially if you're there to visit family. 
And then coming back home, you're going to now need to adjust them back to local time as well, meaning that your child is not going to be ready for bed until probably later. And you may have some later wake ups in the first few days. They generally adjust back to their earlier time zone much more quickly than they can to a later time zone. If you have an older child, then it's more likely that you can just push them a little bit more easily to the local time. They may wake up early in the first day or two, but eventually their body is going to probably adjust pretty easily. This is especially for children who really don't nap anymore. And again, I find that I always wake up too early whenever I go to the West Coast in the first couple of days until my body starts to adjust. For international travel, this experience is really about survival in the first couple days. So the actual travel experience on the plane, especially with small children, is really about just getting through. Your child is going to sleep by whatever means necessary while you're on the plane. And I will tell you that the first few days of your trip may feel a little bit miserable. I worked with a family a few years ago that was living in Tokyo and they came back to the United States for a trip and I warned them ahead of time. I said, the first couple days are going to suck. They're not going to feel good. You're going to feel like all of your sleep training work is out the window. That's okay. That's normal. After the first couple days, it's going to start to feel better. And sure enough, I got a desperate email from them about 24 hours into being back in the States. And I said, let's just give it another 24 hours and see how things go. And then if it's not better, then let me know and we'll talk. And I didn't hear from them again because things got back on track very nicely. So in terms of international travel and helping your body clock adjust, children typically adjust faster than adults because they take naps. And so the naps help them start to be able to acclimate to the new time zone much more quickly than with adults. Really important when you get to the the location that you're going to be internationally, you want to make sure that when your child is napping that they're not napping too much in those first couple days. So their days and nights are probably going to be flipped and they're going to want to nap a lot more during the day, but you need to wake them to keep them on their normal nap schedule from when they're at home so that their body knows that this is a nap time and not a night sleep time. In terms of what you're doing when you first get to your destination, so just like I said with domestic travel, you want to make sure that you're helping your child's body adjust to that new time zone by using sunlight and fresh air and also eating at the right times during the day so that your child's body starts to adjust to what the time is where you are. So I always tell parents that you have basically two days in order to help your child's body adjust to the new time. And what that means is that for the first day and first couple nights, you're making sure that you're feeding them at the right times. And now when they wake up in the middle of the night, which it's very normal to wake up in the middle of the night or in the early morning when you're jet lagged, you're not treating it like daytime. If it's night where you are, even if it's day back at home, You want to keep it dark in the room. You want to try to minimize any sort of distractions. If your child is truly hungry, then you can offer one small snack in the middle of the night just because their body is used to getting food at that time. But you're not offering a whole meal. Again, you're helping them adjust to the local time. You're keeping the lights off. You're keeping it really boring. If you need to take your child out of their sleeping space for just a little bit of time, you can. But then I would try to put them back down again and not treat it like it's morning until it truly is morning or very close to morning where you're at. 
So you get two nights of this. This is your two night free pass. After the first two nights, now any night awakenings that happen, you treat them like any night awakening that you would at home. It is the middle of the night. You're not responding to them by doing anything different. And you're trying to use the same consistent and predictable response that you would use at home. Quick note, if you're breastfeeding, it could take a couple of days for your milk supply to adjust so that your body is, again, making milk at the times of the day where you most often need to be feeding your child. And then again, when you get back home, it's going to take probably a couple days for them to get back on track. For adults, it takes us one day for every hour of time difference in order to acclimate to the new time zone. Children, as I said, adjust much more quickly. So when you get back home, again, you have two nights and then it's back to the normal consistent response and their body should be adjusting to the, the local time zone again. Please let us know if you have any questions, anything that you would like us to answer here on one of our episodes. You can send us a message through the contact page on the Sleepy Cues website, or now you can send us a DM through our Sleepy Cues Instagram account. Thanks for tuning in.